You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Smith to throw. Pressure from Hutchinson. Runs away. Great throw. Lock it down in for the end zone. It's over. The Seahawks win it. Lined a short and caught. The Canadians drape the Northwest League flag across their shoulders for 2023. Good morning, Vancouver. 6:01 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Breath of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour one of this program is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit everythingfinancial.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Mike Halford here. And Jason, can you feel that in the air? It's sports season, everybody. Yes, sports season. Sports are so back. I'm so excited. That was a crazy weekend. I felt like I needed six TVs going. It was it was awesome, right? And we're all cumulatively here working on like what twelve hours of sleep between mm-hmm. the four of us, but we're all excited to be here, except for Greg, he's tired. But the rest of us are all excited to be here today because not only was it a great weekend in sports, the local teams really showed up this weekend. So We're going to get into all that in a moment. Before we do, I need to tell you what's on the show today. Uh, Guest list begins at 6.30. David Amber, Sportsnet NHL Hockey Night in Canada host, is going to join us. Then at 7, a good friend of David Amber's and a co-worker's maybe is maybe going to join us. We're, we're, we're working on getting Elliot Friedman, Friedge, from the airport. The reason we're trying to get all these hockey guests is because of the Mike Babcock story, which for all the sports that happened this weekend, that Babcock story really took center stage on Sunday. So maybe Friedge at 7. 7.30 is going to be our Monday morning quarterback, Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from The Messenger. And then at 8... Kevin Woodley from NHL.com and In Goal Magazine. Um, we've also got another guest, um, and we're going to treat him like a guest. His mm-hmm. name is A-Dog. Andy. And A-Dog uh, was actually watching the Young Stars tournament this weekend, so we're going to get a Young Stars uh, tournament report from A-Dog. Yes. It's, I branded it out. It'll be for, thorough. I branded it out for sales. It's, it's A-Dog. several hours of the notes. A-Dog's amazing Young Stars recap. Yeah. I could recap the C's game because I was there. You can oh, do that okay. as well. Nice. Another nice. branding opportunity. Yeah. We just got to work on that one. At the Perfect. Uh, let's remember here, Monday Night Football, doubleheader tonight. Games running concurrently. 4-15 kickoff between the Saints and the Panthers. 5-15 between the Browns and the Steelers. Earlier in the afternoon, Young Stars, a.k.a. A-Dogs, beat uh, Vancouver, Edmonton. 1 p.m. The broadcast starts right here on Sportsnet 650. Yes, Live hockey on the radios. That's at 1 o'clock today. And we will be giving away another pair of tickets to see Adam Sandler begin his stand-up tour this fall. Sandler, as I call him. Uh, October the 12th, that's a Thursday. It kicks off his North American tour. We're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to the best what we learned of the day. Uh, Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Start getting them in now. Hashtag WWL with a ticket emoji. If you want to be entered into the grand prize draw to see Sandler do stand up on October the 12th. Uh, so working in reverse on the guest list, eight o'clock. It's Kevin Woodley, 730. It's Mike Tannier, maybe Fridge at seven. And then David Amber at 630. That's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was. We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. 
So let's start with the Mike Babcock story. I, I know a lot of stuff happens, but we got to pick uh, somewhere to start. And I think the biggest story in hockey right now is Mike Babcock resigning <laughs> keyword the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, before he even coached a game for the Columbus Blue Jackets. all know how this story unfolded. First of all, it was reported on the Spit and Chicklets podcast, and they were adamant, and by that I mean Biz Nasty, Paul Bissonette, was adamant that this was like a bad thing that Babcock was doing. And then the Blue Jackets responded and said, how dare you suggest this was a bad thing? This was a way for a coach to get to know his players. And Mike Babcock had a statement where he called it offensive, how it was uh, described by the Spit and Chicklets podcast. And for good measure, the Blue Jackets got their captain, Boone Jenner, to release a statement of his own. And he said there was nothing untoward about it at all. Uh, so some people thought that would be the end of the story and the Blue Jackets would go into the season and Mike Babcock would be the head coach. Ah, but it wasn't. And I think the death knell for Mike Babcock, in terms of his job, was that the NHLPA got involved and they felt a need to get involved. And they had a meeting with the NHL and a few parties involved. And they called that meeting intense. And according to multiple sources of Freeges, one of the most serious concerns was a meeting that occurred away from team facilities that included, quote unquote, several minutes of looking through a phone. And that was beyond the scope of what was initially understood to have occurred. For more on this, let's go to the man himself. This was Elliot Friedman on Sportsnet Central with Faisal Kaima. Yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, talking about the particular incident. When we're looking for details here, this is the particular incident which raised this to the level of we think Mike Babcock is going to have to go. Uh, Freege now with more. I don't know how many incidents there were that could be termed as egregious or bad or whichever way you want to describe them. But I do think there was one that was of real concern, and that was where a player and Babcock met at a non-Blue Jackets facility or non-Blue Jackets location, and uh, the the coach apparently looked at the phone for a few minutes. And I believe that that was an incident. And the team, um, everybody took it pretty seriously. You mentioned it looked as though... The screw kind of turned on this whole thing when the NHLPA decided to get involved and started to investigate. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because NHLPA boss Marty Walsh, who we've had on the show before, had a very short statement that was released uh, to the media. Quote, our players deserve to be treated with respect in the workplace. Unfortunately, that was not the case in Columbus. The club's decision to move forward with a new head coach is the appropriate course of action. So it certainly seems like this got on the radar of the Players Association. They investigated it quickly Mm -hmm. and then came to a decision rather quickly that uh, I think, I mean, I don't want to speak for an entire union, but if Babcock was to remain the head coach, there was going to be issues moving forward. And what it really comes down to is in a very roundabout, maybe not linear way, but at the end, the result was there. The players had a voice here, and part of it was Spit and Chicklets and Paul Bissonette and the Barstool podcast. Part of it was the NHLPA, but I think you saw a real, I'm not going to say moment in time or anything. I don't want to make it that grandiose, Mm -hmm. but there certainly was a very, very unique and almost precedent-setting moment here where the players stood up and said, "Uh uh-uh. We're not going to go through this again. Not with a guy who's got this history, who seems to be doing the same stuff that he'd done in previous stops in the NHL. And overall, just a mess for the Blue Jackets to clean up. <sighs> yeah, um, Pascal Vincent is that? A, he's the new head coach. He's the new head coach. Um, so he's going to get introduced today, and that'll be fun for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you got to wonder what this means for Yarmo Kekalainen and uh, John Davidson, uh, the general manager and the president of Hockey Ops, respectively. Um, If I'm the owner of the Blue Jackets, I'm happy that I'm rich, but I'm seriously pissed at how this played out. Totally. The Blue Jackets, think about the big stories that they've been involved in the last 
couple of years, um, signing Johnny Gaudreau, that was a good thing. Everyone was like, oh, Columbus, people are willing to uh, come here and play for the Blue Jackets. We're great. Not everyone thinks we're boring. And then the Jackets were terrible last year, just awful, to the point where they had to go out and hire Mike Babcock. And people went, oh, I don't know if that's a good idea. And it turned out it wasn't. Yep. Um, Imagine if you're Boone Jenner or Johnny Gaudreau. Nope. Both publicly came to the defense of Babcock, and I really do wonder how it played out for Boone Jenner to get his statement into the Blue Jackets press release when they initially said, we are outraged at the way this was described by the Spit and Chicklets podcast. Do you think he was like super pumped to have his statement, or do you think he, I don't want to say that use the word coerced, but I'm sure the organization went to him and went like, hey, we need to calm this down. We got a statement from Babcock saying this is no big deal. We would love to have one from you and also Johnny Gaudreau speaking publicly in support of Babcock. Um, so now what are those two going to say, not only publicly, but you know, to their teammates who didn't feel the same way as they did, at least as they did in their statements expressed to the public? The biggest question right now is, Did the Blue Jackets know the extent of Babcock's interaction with players when this was first revealed? The only thing that I think would save the reputations of Kekalainen and Davidson and maybe, unfortunately, Boone Jenner is if they all acted genuinely when they released those statements that Mm -hmm. they thought that what Babcock was doing was totally above board and in a Blue Jackets facility and didn't raise the ire of veteran players. If they if that's all that they knew, and it's gonna be very hard to Boone Jenner is the captain, right? Boone Jenner is the captain. So did he have any of the young players come to him and say what's going on? Here? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Did Yarmo Kicklinen and John Davidson have any of the young players being like, Babs came up to me in the parking lot and and, and took my phone? I don't know. I don't know. But the only thing that's if, if I was an owner, I would say, one, why did you hire this guy in the first place? Two Did you guys do due diligence on practices like this that clearly existed in Babcock's past? And three, how much did you know when you released those statements on Tuesday afternoon after the Spit and Chicklets podcast came out? Because when those statements were released, remember, we had Aaron Portsline on the show. Mm -hmm. And Aaron Portsline said, based on his reporting and talking to people in the Blue Jackets organization, they considered the matter dealt with. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. They were they were like, we're they're good. Like, we're good. Yeah. We got our captain to sign off on mm-hmm. it. Mike Babcock refuted the claims. We're good. They had the opportunity to do, you know, investigating, like what the NHLPA did, but they didn't. They wanted to close the book and close the door on this, and they thought that by getting the proper sign-off, and maybe not with, maybe the first thing they should have done is checked with the NHLPA, but they didn't, and now look where they're at. This is a disastrous situation. Uh, did you enjoy social media? It's the best. I love oh social media. Oh my God. Media. I love it. How good was this? Um, the situation was basically like, there are a lot of people that seem to think this is quote, you know, wokeness or wokeness run amok. Mm-hmm. Or like, heaven forbid this country has to go to war. Cancel culture, man. <laughs> Cancel Which culture. is one of the texts we got last week in case you're wondering why I said that. Um, so they think it's wokeness run amok that Babcock was canceled by a bunch of soft liberals who can't handle Babcock's kind of like non-PC style. Soy boys, man. And yet the story was broken by Barstool. Wait a minute. Who aren't exactly known as woke. They're not soy boys at all. And like the opposite also, right? Like there are people out there that, you know, like hate barstool or, or or can't stand spitting chiclets like it's toxic hockey culture and yet those people like have to admit that you know like biz did a pretty good job of sticking up for the players a very tough situation for the overly online over the weekend what side do you choose what tribe do you choose the tribes are at war and you have to choose one 
Yeah. You can't be neutral. God forbid you play it straight down the middle. Yeah, it was like, I don't agree with his Bart-killing policy, but I do approve of his Selma-killing policy. It's a head-scratcher. I don't know where to go. Uh, it's almost, I don't know if there's a lesson to be learned from this, it's almost like you should try and maintain some semblance of objectivity in situations like this and wait for the information to come out and not just assume that someone you don't like couldn't have made a pretty good point. I disagree. I think the idea is to get your opinions out there early, beat the rush, right, and then delete them later, and then and then and then do the mental gymnastics to make sure to, to make right. sure that everyone knows that uh, you, in fact, were right all along. See, it is funny because I, I've actually given the advice to like people before, especially youngsters trying to make their way in the industry. I'm like, don't ask permission because it's easier to apologize later. And unfortunately, that's often the case with a lot of, especially social media, is everyone feels the need not to have an opinion early, but to have an opinion early and make sure as many people as possible can see it so they know where you stand on the issue. (laughs) But if that opinion eventually proves to be wrong, don't worry. You can offer me a culpa a few days later. Anyway, that's the, the, I think that's the Babcock story, really. We should move on to some other things. Why don't we go a little bit, a little more local, mm-hmm. a little more local for the listeners that want to well, know about a, it was all a great, our sports teams. It was a great weekend for local sports. And listen, we don't get to celebrate a lot of championships in this city, so we got to start with the C's. The C's are league champs. So congrats to the C's for besting Everett, the Aqua Sox. God, God, I hate those guys. Yep. In four games of a best of five, it's the fifth title in franchise history. Um, they won three straight Northwest League crowns from 2011 to 2013, won again in 2017, and now won again in 2023. Now, the only bad news is that the end of the season means there's no more games at Nat Bailey for a few months, which means the summer is drawing to a close. Did you know that summer is officially over on Friday? I didn't know that until I read it in the notes, and then I tried to ignore it because mm-hmm. I don't like it. It's- but that does mean that it is like crazy sports season, like uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was September. We're already into like that was an awesome sports week, and there was so much on. October it's going to get even. Uh, it's going to get even busier with the NHL back. Laddie, you were at the Nat for the championship. The poor people that had tickets for Sunday's game, they're like, it's going to be a beautiful day. And yeah, then, and then the seas <laughs> went and ruined it by winning a title. Uh, what was it like at the Nat? Oh, it was just a great environment, and that was the only game I could get tickets to. So we were, uh, you know selfishly very excited when they lost that one game because it lined up perfectly for us to be able to go to the winning game. Uh, was it packed? It was packed. Yeah, it was just fully loaded. Uh, fans were standing ovation for the final out and then yeah, just pure elation when the team won. It okay. was the first win since 2017, so it was nice. I think I want to start a tradition here. If a local team of any t- type wins a league championship and there's audio of the play-by-play victory... We're going to play it on the Halford and Brough show. Didn't we play yours from earlier in the year, right? We did. Yeah, that's right. So this is a new thing. Amateur broadcasters out there, if you want to hit the big time, I use that term loosely, but if you want to be on the radio, uh, we will play if your club wins a championship. Here's our guy, Tyler Zickel, on the final call as the Vancouver Canadians won the Northwest League title on Saturday night. 3-2. Lined a short and caught. The Canadians draped the Northwest League flag across their shoulders for 2023. We had a lot of good audio from this weekend. Now, unfortunately, because of rights holders issues, we are not going to be able to play Bob the Moj Marjanovic's amazing call of the BC Lions. Amazing victory with 22 seconds left in Saturday's game. Lucky Whitehead hauled in. A Vernon Adams Jr. pass in the end zone. That touchdown capped an incredible, only in the CFL, 41-37 comeback as the Lions beat the Red Blacks at BC Place. Yeah, it was nearly another Hamilton performance for the BC Lions. I mean, it was a Hamilton performance. Yeah. Not the play. Uh, This time, though, the Lions woke up in the second half. Well, not so much the third quarter of the second half, but definitely the fourth quarter. Although not so much the beginning of the fourth quarter, Mostly the last five or so minutes of the game, the Red Blacks were winning by a score of 37-18 to 18 after three quarters. In the fourth quarter, uh, the Lions got an early field goal, but it still looked like it was going to be 
a bad loss. Uh, and there would be their second bad loss at BC Place in the last month because they had that dreadful loss to Hamilton, which the Halford and Bruff show was in attendance for. And it looked like they were going to lose to Ottawa, which may be the worst team in the CFL. Like the, mm, I don't know if you've good. noticed that the Elks are pretty decent right now. Trey Ford, a quarterback, has given those guys some life. Um, Ottawa might be the worst team in the league, which is probably why um, they were outscored 23 to nothing in the fourth quarter with 20 of those points coming in the final three minutes. And their head coach made a decision to, um, instead of punting on one play, trying for a field goal. It was, I believe, a 50-yard field goal. Uh, The field goal missed, and uh, Terry Williams took it back. The entire way. 120 so, yards. I love the CFL. It was a 120-yard missed field goal return by Terry Williams. Uh, credit to Vernon Adams, the quarterback, who did enough good things to make up for a bunch of mistakes. And he actually had a quote after the game. He was like, um, the team didn't give up on me after throwing three interceptions. And he called them silly interceptions mm-hmm. as well. Um, he finished the night with 327 yards passing and three touchdowns. Uh, cracking the 300-yard mark for the fifth straight game. So there was a lot of good, enough good to outweigh the bad from Vernon Adams. And good for the Lions for winning this game because the Bombers lost again. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, this big game that we've we've kind of had penciled um, at BC Place between the Lions and the Bombers, fingers crossed, but this could mean something. Now, the Lions have a few games before then. They don't want to trip up on those games, but... Things are looking good for the BC Lions after this weekend. Did you mention that that was the largest fourth quarter comeback in franchise history? I did not. They've been around for a long time, those BC Lions in this Canadian Football League, and that on Saturday was history. Now, talk about excellent football action from the weekend. North of the border, south of the border. What a win for the Seattle Seahawks in Detroit on Sunday. Geno Smith threw a six-yard touchdown pass to Tyler Lockett, capping an amazing drive in overtime to lift the Seahawks to a 37-31 win at Ford Field. Here's what it sounded like. Geno, Lockett, walk off. Smith to throw. Pressure from Hutchinson. Runs away. Great throw. Lockett down in for the end zone. It's over. The Seahawks win it. And then Tyler went bye-bye. He waved to everybody in Ford Field. Bye-bye as he walked him off. What a win. I yeah. give this team a boatload of credit for doing what they did here because this was not an easy game. By any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so, where did you watch this game? At home. Okay, so you're you were you were in Burnaby. I was in Vancouver. We don't did have to you geographically did locate you, me? No, I was just wondering. Did you actually hear me at the TV? When actually, the, you know what? I did. Did you hear it when across the border? Yeah, when the Seahawks blew a ten point lead <laughs> and had to go to overtime. Um, overall, this was a really fun game. Yep. There was excitement. There was anger. There was excitement. There was anger. So many swings in momentum. Uh, now, fortunately, Drew Locke. Went out there, and he won that toss before overtime. I forgot he was on uh, the team. You know what? That was the biggest play. That that was the biggest play of the day, I think. Uh, Drew Locke going out there and winning the coin toss before overtime. And then I guess Geno Smith did a bunch of good stuff because he drove the Hawks down the field for a Tyler Lockett touchdown as we played the audio on the win. I do want to credit DK Metcalf because we kind of ripped DK Metcalf, and so did Pete Carroll. After week one, where he showed a real uh, DK Metcalf, now Pete showed a real lack of composure at the end of the game, and the Seahawks, as a as a team, showed a lack in composure. But DK was really good in Detroit. Six Solid. catches for seventy five yards, including a big catch on third down to keep the OT drive alive. Um, also, credit the Seahawks defense for making life reasonably difficult for Jared Goff. Yeah. Well, compared to the life they made for Matt Stafford, which was an incredible life for Matt Stafford. Um, I don't think you'd say Jared Goff was out there running for his life, but they did sack him twice. And most importantly, Trey Brown got himself a pick six and the Seahawks won the turnover battle. Oh yeah. Like so often with the Seahawks, well, not just the Seahawks, just in general football, like the turnover battle, is usually who wins the actual game. Jared Goff made made a he has made many mistakes in the last little while. He had a pretty good streak of uh, pass uh, attempts without a, without an interception, but he made a mistake against the Seahawks, and that was one of the big differences in the day. So Detroit kind of prides itself on not 
beating itself. They don't turn the ball over really at all. Uh, Goff had gone 383 straight passes without throwing a pick. So it's funny because I think the Jared Goff that we kind of know and remember from the Rams, the the issue was that sometimes he was sloppy with the football and he'd make Mm -hmm. bad mistakes at bad times. They didn't do that anymore. So for the Hawks to do what they did, not just turn the ball over, but get a pick six, that's a huge thing because the Detroit Lions and Jared Goff don't really give you that many opportunities to do it. And I'll say this, if you want to poke a few holes in this, other than that, Goff kind of picked him apart. He was. That's tw- what I'm saying. Like, he was 28 and 35 exactly, yeah, yeah. passing for 320. But the Seahawks yards. defense at the end of the game, when they needed to, yeah, they made plays. They did. They did make some plays. Uh, there's still lots of improvement to be made. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the best. The best. And bruff. Fifty seconds left of the Vancouver power play. Baines to Ratu on the right wing boards. Now to Akito Hirosa. Shot for the line, tipped in front, rolls to the goal, rebound, they score. Arshdeep Baines at the top of the crease shovels the rebound past Thomas Millage, and the Canucks lead one nothing. 7:02 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Two of the biggest names of the industry are going to join us in hour two. Elliot Friedman and A-Dog <laughs> for a little hot. I was, I was like, was Woj coming on? Like, what's going on? It's A-Dog. It's A-Dog's. You're am- really overselling this. But A-Dog's okay. amazing Young Stars report. Mm-hmm. The A-A-Y-R. The extra B is I heard B-O-B-B. He, <laughs> he received um, an award for excellence in the field of excellence. Yes. Yeah. Outstanding achievement in the field of excellence. No uh, we are coming to you live Webster's from the... Webster's Dictionary <laughs> defines it as... We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at Kintec.net. Uh, A-Dog's review is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Young Stars from Penticton. Over the weekend, lots of action, all of it streaming online. You could have heard it on the Sportsnet 650 alternate feed. You could have streamed it from Canucks.com. Today at 1 o'clock, we begin live broadcasting of NHL action. Well, prospects action. Canucks, Oilers, right here on Sportsnet 650 proper. But prior to that, there were a couple games over the weekend that A-Dog did the research for. He did his own research. He went out there. He watched the games. He took in all the action. He became further in love with the Keto Hirose, I would imagine. Yeah, he was good. Uh, let's start on Saturday. Take that, Calgary. 7-1, the Canucks Young Stars beat up the Flames. Uh, I understand that <laughs> on seven goals, there were seven different goal scorers. And the line of Max Sasson, Danila Klimovich, and Aiden McDonough was really good. And, of course, your boy Akito Hirose had a pair of assists. What did you take away from Saturday's game, eh, well, Doug? I only watched half of that game. So. What did you take away from half of Saturday's game? Oh, I Doug? mean, yeah, they dominated. It was great. I mean, uh, Rose was good. He wasn't like the standout to me, but he did have four points in five periods uh, yeah. leading well, up until the final I mean, period of last. What did Willana do? He was invisible. Yeah. Very disappointing. Nice. Yeah, I like yeah, how you're yeah, positioning yeah, yeah. this. Very Sorry, I cut you off there. What did, what did Hirose do? Uh, he had four points in five periods leading up to the final period of last night's game. And, you know, he looked really good. Like, he mm. he's a strong hockey IQ. Like, Raddy, uh, Rat, 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 I always say Raddy, Ratu as well. Uh, both those guys I noticed a lot making really high IQ plays. They were excellent. Uh, McDonough, though. Aiden McDonough was by far the standout. Like, that guy already has an NHL ready shot. He had a beautiful shot. Yeah. Beautiful fake and shot. That yeah. was that was very impressive. Two goals so far in the tourney. Of course, they're playing today against uh, Edmonton Day, today at 1.30. Can you hear the call right here on 6.50? Yep. Batch and Co. And uh, yeah, I mean, they, even though they gave up a two-goal lead and lost in overtime last night, which gave me a bit of PTSD, uh, <laughs> they, they still look all, overall quite good. I mean, there's a lot of good stories on the team right now as far as, far as the prospects go. And uh, 
Yeah, I, I'd say it was a solid, solid I, I'd rank it probably like McDonough, first of all. I, uh, Ratu, maybe Hirose. Uh, um, McWard had a few nice plays. Yeah. He had a goal. And, I heard that uh, as well. Yeah. I so, did not watch. I'm not going to lie. However. There were a few standouts. You also mentioned in the 3-2 shootout loss to the Jets yesterday, in which the Canucks blew the aforementioned 2-0 lead. In the third period. In the third period, yeah. which never happens. No. No. It's they're, not le- they're learning early. <laughs> it's not an organizational <laughs> yeah. thing at all. They grew it up like, on the can, board. You guys are NHL ready. You're ready to be the Canucks. Wow. You were enamored with, you were enamored with Jets goalie Thomas Milich as well, and I'm sure that drew some admiration from Ladd. Yeah, he looked awesome. Yeah. He looked really good. What's the skill? What's the deal with him, Laddie? Has he got NHL, like legit NHL aspirations? He's an older prospect, so right. he was drafted 20 instead of 18, right. and he's a little further along in his timeline. Uh, so there's questions about his ceiling. You know, how, is, is this what he is already, or sure. is he have how much room does he have to grow? So I see him as, you know, he'll probably play in the NHL for a while. I don't think he'll be a, a number one, you know, guy that you got to have, but I think he's going to have a, a career at this. I think he's pretty good. Okay, because you're. it's interesting yeah. that you mentioned... The Canucks Tolopilo look pretty solid as yes, well. Yes, I, I really like him. He's got... He's massive goalie. He's like six foot six, so he's he's, he's a fun one to watch. Fun name, Tolopilo. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. What you mentioned with Millage being an older prospect, that's kind of what people... I don't want to say they're making excuses or trying to explain why the Canucks look as I mean, especially in the first game, as dominant as they did, but the Canucks do have an older roster. They do, yeah. By uh, young stars' standards, like Hirose's twenty-four, McDonough's a, a mature prospect as well at this point, right? Yeah, so, he played all four years of college, right? And they have yeah. guys in this tournament that have NHL experience, so you would expect them to stand out. I think the interesting thing is going to be um, how many of these guys are going to be able to play NHL games this year because there's guys knocking on the door for sure, but you've also got a team that has pretty lofty goals and aspirations for the season, right? Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll say this. If McWard and uh, Klimovich and Sasson and McDonough and maybe even Hirose play any sort of meaningful NHL minutes this year probably means things haven't gone great for the Canucks, right? right. Can we all, can we all the agree The occasional call-up is fine. Yeah, but if you're doing like, it's time for another death march, here's our prospects. <laughs> well, like, you know, you know think... what's going to be an even bigger problem is if they have more Hiroses this season, like they sign them and they give them their seven games at the end of the season because yeah. that's what bad teams do, right? They're like, you can play in the NHL Right now. Yeah, that's, just, how, that's how you just get really need you. Yeah, like, you can play tomorrow if you want. I don't know. You play any position you want. Just sign with us. It's the dangling carrot. Play goalie. Want to be a goalie? Yeah, yeah. College um, free agents. They're like, how bad is your team? Because I would like to go there. Just to set the table for the week, uh, training camp starts on Thursday. Yep. Uh, it's four-day training camp in Victoria, so the Canucks will be headed over to the island for training camp. And then we're into the preseason, and eventually... Before you know it, we'll be into the regular season, first two games against the Edmonton Oilers. You know what today is? I mean, today's the real kickoff to the season because it's the annual Jake Milford Classic. That's right. They're out golfing today. Yeah, they are at Northview, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Right? Yeah, that's all. I, I mean, the NA, every sport is cyclical. Like, I'm not trying to mm-hmm. poke fun at the NHL, but it's hilarious because every, especially the Canadian teams, they all do the exact same thing, right? right? It's like, but before training camp, here's the guys in golf shorts. And then, they, you know, and they yeah, yeah. stand there and they got to answer questions. Like, I thought I was playing golf. Now I have to talk about my contract future, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, and you all make fun of the Russians because they've never played golf before. You're like, look at the way this guy's holding the putter. Yeah, he's, he's slapping. <laughs> Doesn't know what he's shot. doing. Yeah. Doesn't know what he's doing. Um, uh, obviously, the one of the big stories of training camp is going to be the physical fitness of the team. Mm-hmm. Will there be anyone that shows up to camp out of shape? Hopefully not, but it does happen occasionally. Okay, let's go to the phone lines now. Uh, our next guest, happy to be joined, I believe, from the airport. So thanks for taking the time to do this. Elliot Friedman here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Fried. How are you? Good morning. Good, guys. How are you guys doing this morning? Uh, we're good. We just talked to David Amber a short while ago about the Mike Babcock story, which, let's be clear. My condolences on talking to David. You know what? He was great. He, he was, was really great. <laughs> he was I find that very hard to believe. He was even handsome on the phone, yeah, which it's is hard to do. <laughs> weird, you know? um, okay, this is obviously the biggest story in hockey right now, and there's so many different facets to it. And one of the directions that we actually started to take with David, and we can pick it up with you, is the role of the NHLPA in all of this. And if this mm-hmm. might be... God, I don't want to consider it like a warning shot or a new way of doing business, but we both noted that this Babcock story ob- took an obvious turn 
when the NHLPA decided to start investigating. And it was pretty clear that in Marty Walsh's remarks afterwards that he had no time or tolerance for the actions of Mike Babcock as it pertained to members of his union. Um, what do you think about what the NHLPA did here? And do you think that it might be a sign of things moving forward about how they're going to conduct business differently from how the union operated under Donald Fear? Well, I think one of the things that uh, I, 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 you notice is that uh, Donald Fear's term at, at the NHLPA was coming to accelerated by the report that the Players Association prepared uh, into its handling during Kyle, the Kyle Beats incident situation. And, um, you know, they tried to whitewash themselves of any culpability and people weren't buying it. And that really brought the end of Fear's term. And in this case, like Marty Walsh, you know, he comes from a world where this stuff really isn't tolerated. So I'm not surprised to see that this was the reaction and this was the way they attacked it. I mean, it's important to recognize here that initially, and you know, I was obviously, I was there doing some of the interviews, the league, the team and the players association all thought that nothing improper had happened here based on the reactions by Jenner and Goudreau. And then there was somebody who came forward last Tuesday night and said, you guys better look deeper because there is something here. And to everyone's credit, they did. And it's the way it's supposed to be. Like, um, you know, like what it sounds like happened here was a, a violation of privacy and you can't allow that to occur. And you can't, and you can't allow that to happen to younger players. You can't allow it to happen to anyone, but I think younger players are more vulnerable than some of the veterans in many cases. So I'm glad that this is the way it worked out. And it's important that like, this was really, in a lot of ways, Walsh's first big test. And I, I would agree that him and Ron Hainsey really passed it. So, Fridge, um, the way the Blue Jackets portrayed this initially was, this is just innocent. This is a, you know, and Babcock had a statement, this is just the way I get to know players. And he called it offensive, the way it was portrayed on Spit and Chicklets. And the way it was portrayed on Spit and Chicklets was that Babcock was asking for players' phones, basically saying, let me see the pictures in your phone. I want to know the type of person you are. Um, is mm-hmm. that is that what ultimately what you heard? Because it seems like you're getting different messages from some players versus what you know the 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 details that are reported by others. Well, I think you know honestly, I I think Mike, it's that it was different for different people. Like you know, I'll I'll tell you that I know some player like I reached out to some players who I know did not Babcock, who said that their experience in this particular thing was different. Um, and I think it depended on the case. Like there were some people who said that, you know, Patrick Marlowe, like two days ago, talked to reporters in San Francisco and said when it happened to him, it was no big deal. Ron Hainsey, who was a very big part of this investigation, played for Babcock in Toronto. And he knew about the practice, I think, as, because uh, a bunch of Toronto players told me that there was one year Babcock told players to send in pictures and he put them up on a wall and the players talked about their families and the players didn't mind that. They were mm-hmm. active parts in it. So there were some cases where it was benign, but there were other cases obviously where that wasn't the case. I think that, like, I don't know if it's an older, younger thing, if he did one thing with veterans and a different thing with younger players. Uh, but at least in this case, that's, abs- that's absolutely what happened. Like, I think quite simply, he approached it one way with some people and another way with other people, which isn't acceptable. And, you know, I, I think the other thing here, too, is that, um, you know, Babcock had to be perfect here. Mm. He could not afford, like, the, his standard was extremely high. There were a lot of people who uh, were going to be watching very closely, obviously, and he could not afford to put himself in a position uh, where he made a mistake. And he, he made a mistake very early. Like the one case I alluded to yesterday, I've heard several different variations. I don't know exactly what's true. So, you know, I don't want to get uh, go too deep into it because I don't think it's the right thing to do. But it was not at a Blue Jackets 
uh, team facility or practice facility, and apparently he looked through a phone for several minutes. And, you know, like, you just can't do that. Like, yeah. you, especially, I mean, it's probably bad enough. Like, one HR lawyer told me it's bad enough that he did it, but to do it away from team facilities. Like, you can't do that. So that's why we are where we are. Uh, how angry and or upset is Blue Jackets owner John P. McConnell? You know, I don't have a good answer to that yet. Um, you know, I, 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 the pod's coming out shortly. And, you know, one of the things I talked about there was I, I talked to an owner of another team. And he says, you know, people say I meddled too much or people say I'm interfer- I interfered too much. Like, this is the reason. He said, like, if it goes wrong, it's your team, it's your organization, it's your brand, whichever term you want to use. Like, the McConnells have a reputation of they hire somebody and they let them do their job. Right. They, 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 they're not really meddlesome people. Say for the- um, you know, Doug McLean, who worked with us for a long time, he, he always talked about what, how great the McConnell family uh, was to work for. And, uh, but like, like I said, this, if it was me and I was in charge, I'd be asking a lot of tough questions. Like, I don't think like one person hired, like when you're making a hire like this, it's not just one person who makes the decision. I think that there were a lot of people in the organization this had to go through on the hockey side and the, like the business and the business side. And, uh, you know, so I think we're all curious to see how this is going to go uh, in uh, especially the press conference today and where it goes from here. You know, that's a really interesting part of this because, you know, some people, and I've heard people throw this out there, that it's fair to suggest that the bigger question should be about the hiring of Mike Babcock in the first place, and that's what we should really be looking at. Did John Davidson and Yarmo Kekalainen underestimate or not appreciate how many people just actively disliked Mike Babcock? Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's definitely a, a part of this here is that, um, there are people who really don't like him. Yes, that is absolute. I think uh, I, I think they absolutely did. And you know, I, I think the other, like I said, like he had to be perfect because people were looking for it. And you know, I, I think it, I, I think here too, like it, it's interesting. Like I don't like going figuring out sourcing. I don't like when people do it to me. Um, you know, like, I, I don't like it when people say, oh, this, we've got to figure out who Elliot Source sure, is sure. or where he got that from. I don't like that game. But it's very clear in this particular case, the story developed from, like, the off season, like people getting together at wherever they get together at. And, you know, people talking about it. And then it got into the hands of, the, the word got to someone who really didn't like them. And that's how it got to call it at spitting chicklets. And I'm not saying that's wrong because, you know, the, at, at the end of the day, the right thing happened. I just think that it's instructive in this particular case of the negativity that was out there towards him. It sounds like NHL players that had been in the league for a while all knew about it. We asked Luke Shen about it uh, last week. He's like, let's just say I knew about it. Right. And I had heard those stories. And part of me wonders if it was partly like them making fun of Babcock. And I'm, you know how you make fun of your boss. Everyone makes fun of their boss. Right. And, and you know, some, maybe some players were like, oh, has he, do, has he done the thing with the phones yet? And then some people maybe had a bit of a different take on it that was like, actually, you know what? That's not funny. That's actually like, this is one of the reasons why we don't like him. Well, I, I think that's. I think there's a lot of different reasons, but like, like it was no secret. Like when I, when I made calls last week after the story first broke, people told me, Oh yeah, he looked at our phones. Like there's a former Marley's assistant coach, Jack Han. He told the story on Twitter about how Babcock looked at his, asked all the assistant coaches to see a picture on their phone. Um, and it wasn't just players. It was coaches. It was executives. When he interviewed for the job in Columbus, he did it with the, the management there. He said, let me look at your phones and we'll talk about our families or whatever, however it was. I just think it was, it was very clear. Not every, some people didn't mind it, but others did. You should expect that. But I think the key here is, Jason, is that 
the experiences were different for different people. Mm-hmm. Some people, what, the, what was described to me was harmless, and what other people, the experience was not that harmless. And again, like the one case that I described to you earlier that I wrote about yesterday, you know, like, again, I don't know exactly what happened, but I have a decent picture, and that's not acceptable. Like, that, that's not, that should not be allowed to happen. I mean, you know, I was talking about yesterday with someone who, who says, like, there's no such thing as privacy anymore. Like, people, people take videos all the time in public, and they just throw them on the Internet with no regard for anybody else because it's not them. But if it's your phone, you consider that very private. And everybody should know that those are the rules. You know, Jason joked earlier that, you know, the new, the new platform for player, the Players Union is the So we had someone text in, uh, Biz Nasty is the new shop steward for the NHLPA. And, like, it's all fun, funny. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any, but, any complaints about your coach? But, send them on to Biz. Right, but I do wonder, Fridge, if part of this is Marty Walsh looking at it and being like, why are our union members, you know, not bringing their complaints about workplace issues to us, but to a podcast that is affiliated with Barstool? And I wonder if that's part of this whole thing, too, is that I'm not saying that Marty Walsh is out here trying to make a statement, but part of it he, is he might be. But part of it has yeah. to be, hey, if there's an issue with our union members, we would prefer it goes to, you know, us as opposed to a media member who's got a podcast. Well, I look at it this way. I- I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think Biz is the most powerful media member in the NHL. Okay. Like working with him after the uh, after the awards last year and just watching – like, after the awards was over, like, nobody comes to me. Like, 20 people go to Liam McHugh, and, like, a billion people go to Biz. Like, he's a rock star. And, uh, and I think he is. And, I, and the players, like, it, it's funny. Like, someone, I was talking about this with someone the other day. When I started, I was 22 years old. And I remember a, a senior reporter at, the, at one of the newspapers in Toronto said, get into this now because you're going to get to a point where you're too old to relate to players. Like some of them will still talk to you and they'll be cordial because as long as you're professional business, like, but like the calendar is just going to say you're out of touch with them. And, you know, I kind of thought about that uh, this week. I, I think I still have a decent relationship with players, but I don't have the relationship that he has. Like they love, like that's why the moment this all happened, I believe there had to be some truth to it. And it was just a matter of finding out what it was because Biz is too popular and the players love him. Like, he's not going to air with that unless he has an airtight. And it turned out to be true. I just think, but as for your point, um, I think that because of the way things ended at the NHLPA under Don Fear, there were a lot of players who felt that way. And, you know, the, the other thing, too, is and the advantage a guy like Biz has is, you know, generally the people who talk to him, he's not going to say who they are. Like, I think if there's one thing he really regrets here is that he mentioned Boot Jenner because Jenner was in one of the meetings. But I think overall, they know if they go to him, they're going to be protected. And that's important. And you know what? I think you're right. I think Wall sent a message here. So did Hainsey. And maybe that'll change. But it's not going to stop the fact that I think Biz is the most powerful media member in the NHL, and I don't even think it's close. And I think it's been that way for a while now. Uh, well, Fridge, if it counts for anything, we think you're hip and cool. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. I don't take any offense. I know I'm not. <laughs> I'm looking at myself right now at the airport in my Nikes and my Beckham pants. And nice. I've got a hello, fellow kids vibe. Right now. <laughs> okay. Well, enjoy those sensible sneakers and have a good flight. We'll talk to you soon, bud. Thank you. All right, take care. Thanks, Thanks for uh, Elliot Friedman, Sportsnet NHL insider from the airport here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet. How do you do, fellow kids? It's <laughs> a good pull by Fried. Um, I will say this. To me, this story, the more that we know about it, becomes less and less about asking people for pictures on their phones and more about everything else, mm-hmm. right? That's where I'm... Like, I think that part of this is the NHLPA getting handed a situation and Marty Walsh saying, hmm, here's an opportunity. So is this a story about player empowerment? Yep. I think that's exactly... Well, player empowerment... Because we haven't seen that in the NHL compared to leagues like the NBA. Player empowerment combined with a genuine 
issue, like genuine complaint, yeah. genuine issue, like not sweeping something that is a real problem under the rug. Here's the thing: players folks. were told before that they were just like, "You're going to have to deal with this." But like here, this is this is what you deal with in the NHL. Here's the thing, and I don't think anyone can disagree with this. And if you do, whatever. But Mike Babcock was a problem. Mike Babcock is a problem. The problems and issues that he had with players in the past never really got resolved. Johan Franzen didn't come out later and say, you know what? He came and we talked and we're all good. I love Mike Babcock now. <laughs> I don't recall Mitch Marner ever coming up and saying, you know what? We're we're great now. Me and Mike, we, we we rectified all of our issues and he's my best friend. And I don't expect it to go that to that length and to that degree. But what happened here was a guy that was widely disliked by the... I don't know, what is it, 800-some-odd NHLPA members, got another job, and a lot of people were saying, not only did he get another job, but he's doing the same stuff he did that got yeah. him in trouble in the first place, that made him weird, that made guys uncomfortable. Like, I don't know, I, you know, when people are screaming about, you know, the woke soy boys and their cancel culture and everything <laughs> else, I just, I just say the same thing every time. They're like, oh, look. It's the consequences of my actions. Well, they've caught up to me again. That's exactly. all this is. There's all, like, I don't know what else to tell you. And, you know, I, I do. <laughs> I, I Don't get me wrong. Man who is mean to people faces consequences. Weird dude gets called out for being weird. <laughs> you know, I, I don't get it. I really don't. And then, you know what? If you're going to throw the tired, lazy, uninformed narratives out there that this was media spun and media driven. I'm not even going to bother replying to it Yeah, because their own union investigated it. <laughs> and then the guy resigned barstool, that bastion of wokeness. I, 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 can, the, the, I mean, God bless the people that have just ignored that mental hurdle and just went straight for the, the lying woke media. That's great. Like mm. you, it doesn't get more myopic than that, but look this, I mean, if you look at this objectively, whether you like Babcock or hate him, whether you are all about consequences of your action or whether you think everything is cancel culture, whatever part of the spectrum, whatever tribe you chose, there are some straight facts here that are impossible to ignore. And that is that the NHLPA, the Players Union, which represents players, decided to dig deeper than anybody on this and came to the resolution as clear as day, by the way, with the remarks that Marty Walsh put forth, that this was not okay, not in the workplace. And it was not okay that Mike Babcock was still the coach of Columbus. End of story. Yeah. That, that was it. Now, there's a lot of layers to it beyond that, but if you just want to look at the straight facts, of it, that, those are straight facts, brother. That's just the straight goods of the deal. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.